Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with the Noted Podcast, where we talk and take note of the underrated players and small market teams of the league. Um, obviously, we're going to have to talk about some, some bigger teams in the league, too, uh, just with some specific topics, but we really want to take note of those awesome players who are, are making a difference. But anyway, as always, I'm your host, Brian Corzo, along with my Utah Jazz-loving and we finally won a clutch game, uh, fans, uh, <laughs> Carson Hilton and Riker Gordon, um, uh, today with episode, I believe number nine. Um, and today we kind of wanted to talk about those cusp, you know, contenders. Uh, I would say personally, in my opinion, that the four teams that are really have a shot at contending for the title right now the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm going to put it here just because they have the experience, and I know even if their regular season isn't showing as much, I still believe that this team is a contender for the title, and that's Milwaukee. Um, Giannis, Chris Middleton, do I need to say more, right? So, um, so yeah, those are the four teams that I have, and so I kind of just wanted to have a discussion more about what are these, like, you know, cusp of greatness teams that, that we're seeing. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to start it off, uh, fresh on our minds, the Utah jazz, um, Utah kind of had a really good start. They also had some weird losses to some teams, um, that we probably shouldn't have lost to, uh, the ones that I can think of right off the top of my head, uh, was the Orlando game, the Pelicans game, and the Pacers game were three games we should not have lost. Both times we've gone against the Heat, we make this like miraculous 21-point comeback. But all in all, we didn't play super great against teams. Also, with the Utah Jazz schedule, we have been beating, or most of the teams in our schedule have been sub-500, uh, which is also something that is a little bit to take note of in the fact that Utah really hasn't, played against a really good team at least that much like we have a win against milwaukee but we also have losses to the bulls and two losses to the heat uh, which are coming so some of the bigger talented teams i guess i kind of wanted to dissect that and what you guys think about the jazz as a whole obviously we're jazz fans but we really want to talk non-bias and just take a really good perspective into the team so i i see you're nodding your head a little bit Riker. like what are you thinking there's a lot to think about. Um, I've discussed this with people outside of the podcast and then with you guys on occasion. Um, we've kind of talked about it earlier this week. But the Jazz have the pieces there. Um, they're not far off from contending. And we've got a coaching staff that can handle this type of caliber of a team. And I'm going to kind of riff off of something that Carson mentioned earlier this week, but it's it's definitely starting to see some weaknesses in our rotations. Um, even, even when we're playing against a good team, if we're playing against a bad team, it seems like we kind of just have to play up to the competition. And it kind of shows, like, I mean, you look at the Boston game on Friday, ultimately Jazz pulled away but it took 137 points to do it. Um, 
So one of the greatest and like the, offensive and, performances of the season. Yes, too. and the Celtics scored 130 points as well. And the game could have been over in the first quarter. Um, the Jazz had nine turnovers in the first quarter, and it was all a lot of hustle plays from the guards, just getting in between passes, errant decisions. And then because of that, Boston had enough momentum to make the second quarter, and it turned into a really competitive game. So there's just a ton of situations like that that the Jazz have gotten themselves in. You mentioned the Heat. I think it's another huge example of how if a team is shooting well and is physical, the Jazz, if they're not hitting their shots, they're not going to be able to like fight it. But all of a sudden, five minutes left in the game, here comes the Jazz in a once 20, almost 30-point game. It's a five-point game. So obviously, the Jazz have capabilities there. It's just a matter of figuring out rotations and, you know, playing aggressive when they need to play aggressive. So I guess one thing I kind of want to tap into that and more just ask you a question as far as like, what do you think as far as rotation differences have to happen uh, to make this difference or or just to have better rotations as, as the Jazz need to be a better team? I have some ideas, but I've talked a lot, so I kind of want to see what Carson has to say on this one. Yeah, I think a big part of that is making sure Jordan Clarkson is in lineups that work. Because, so like last season, during the regular season, the Jazz hit like Jazz, like peak basketball, right? Like they were playing great defense and great offense. And a big part of that was JC coming off the bench and, and being able to carry the scoring load when Donovan Mitchell isn't there. The problem with Jordan Clarkson, other than his defense, is sometimes the ball can really stagnate when when he's in. Um, but he, you know, sometimes he just needs to get his shots. If he's shooting, you know, he's playing 25 minutes, he's getting his shots. Usually it's okay, but sometimes, you know, this team is so full of deadly shooters and really good guys that if the ball's not moving, then people don't want to play defense, and then it's like comes and becomes an effort thing. And so I think. I mentioned it earlier um, this week. I can't remember the exact lineup, but it was something of, I think it was Mike Conley, uh, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Rudy Gay, and Rudy Gobert. And I, I, the, and I think that was one of, one of the first times we had seen that lineup. And I like lineups like that because you have two other ball handlers like Mike and Joe and are able to move the ball. And so I think in rotations you really have to stress where JC doesn't have to go ISO. The less ISO you do on this Jazz team is better. The more you're kicking it out to the corner, the more you're able to give the Rudy Rudy Gobert lob for dunks, the more you're able to run pick and roll. That's when this Jazz team is at its best. Not, not when you're letting Jordan Clarkson dribble for 18 minutes for a contested fadeaway. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... Literally, the only player that should be playing ISO is Donovan. And even then, I'd like to see a little bit more pick and roll. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that is so interesting to me when Mike Conley's off of the floor is how little like Rudy Gobert is involved in a game. Uh, I think mm-hmm. this season, like Donovan Mitchell has been able to like find Rudy a lot more, but he tends to go, you know, for the... I don't want to say selfish plays, but like... He tends to go for selfish plays. Uh, yeah, and, no, that's, that's fine. I, and, I agree with that. Yeah, and not only that, but teams are starting to notice that as well. I mean, and Donovan Mitchell is kind of known for getting late starts to games, but he's kind of minimized that lately. Like, he'll start off super hot, and 
teams can't stop him. And then the fourth quarter comes, and if it's close, they suck defense right to Donovan. And so this is this is another thing that's kind of hindering. There's two games I can think of that are one one point games. It's the it's the New Orleans loss. It's the Grizzlies loss. That if Donovan looks for a pass instead of just immediately going to the rim and trying to force a layup, the game's over. Especially the the Pelicans game. The replay is obvious. No. The defense, there's almost three guys just running to Donovan. And if Donovan just opens his eyes, it's literally a simple dump pass to Rudy Gobert dunk, game over. So that's a thing about Donovan Mitchell. And it's also a plus if he if he recognizes his eyes. Everyone's going to give him credit for being the better player when he has three guys onto him and he gets a beautiful assist, game over, jazz win. Donovan Mitchell's still the hero. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's done it. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I don't understand because every time I see Mike Conley play, it's almost like he hesitates to do his own like shooting. Even though he's incredible and he has an incredible like three-point shooting rate. I think he had what like 7 uh against Cleveland or something like that or Boston. Boston. 7 for 7. Mm-hmm. 7 for 7 from the 3. And this guy every time that he's coming in, I don't know if it's cuz he's short, but that ball is not in his hands. And it's, it's such a good diversity where it's like half of them are to Rudy and half of them he keeps for himself to go for a floater because his floater game's awesome. Mm-hmm. But that marriage of like teamwork, uh, it just gets Rudy so involved and be, he becomes an offensive threat. Because we know without a doubt Rudy is a defensive threat every single night. But yeah. the difference is can we involve Rudy, who's our second best player on our team, uh, I would even say one of the most, probably the most important player on this team uh, to just, you know, cover our backs while Donovan's doing all the flashy stuff that it goes on the highlights with the scoring. He's providing the defense that keeps us in the game, right? Um, I I think if we can make Rudy Gobert an offensive threat, it's over. And and the Jazz become the best team in the NBA. But that's the thing is that, because he isn't getting involved, there's games where he's maybe only scoring around 10, 12 points, and people don't really see him as a threat. And so that person who's guarding Rudy is now guarding Donovan Mitchell on a double team. Yeah, and I think, like, for me as a Jazz fan, one of the things that's, like, keeping the hope is that this this we have as good of a coaching staff as anyone. I would say it's probably up there for the top three. Uh, even outside of Quinn Snyder, like, our assistants – our analytics team, our training staff, like they're, they're all great. And part of that, what that's kind of, I don't know that I don't want to say hinders, but that makes it really hard is they expect the best out of everyone as they should. And so keeping that in mind, they, they make a really tough offensive and defensive scheme that requires everyone to put their best foot forward and effort all the time and credit to Quinn. He, he demands not perfection, but he demands effort and greatness out of every single person on this roster. And sometimes, you know, they don't live up to that. And I think part of that has partly been because of the new pieces with Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay. And Rudy Gay missed the first 10 or to 12. I don't remember how many games he missed, but he missed a lot of the first games. And I think you you can tell over the past couple of games, even though they had those like mental lapses that they've they are getting better and right now this jazz team is not playing their best they're getting there they're they're they are improving and i think they have like the best offense in the nba 
Yeah. And I think come like halfway through halfway <laughs> through the season or something, I think they'll be up there with the Suns and the Warriors and the Nets and Milwaukee. I think I think out of all the teams we're going to talk about today, I think they have the best chance of getting up to that level of competition. Yeah. I I can I can agree with that. The one other team that I think has the best shot in my opinion is Chicago. And they're yeah, Let's they're, talk Chicago. Yeah, let's talk about Chicago because Chicago is incredible. And I I didn't put them in the top four of like contenders more just because it's a brand new scheme, brand new players on this team, still a lot to figure out. We'll give them their roses for how they've been performing in the NBA, uh, having one of the best records. Um, They have the same amount of wins as the Jazz, just with one more loss. Um, So, I mean, they're an incredible team. I mostly want to pick two, uh, uh, maybe three players out. Uh, first of all, uh, DeMar DeRozan feels like he is absolutely comfortable in his new position. Best best mid yep. mid range shooter out there right now, and it is not even close. He's so good, and he is clutch. And it's crazy to think that they have not just Zach, but also DeMar in clutch situations. So there's that. Second, Alex Caruso, um, making a strong contender case for sixth man of the year. Um, he is a defensive destruction, right? Anytime that anybody comes to him, he's getting steals, he's disrupting, he's playing hard defense every single time, and he's also providing a nice jump in scoring. Um, I think he's like a big heart of that team, and I think it was so smart to pick him up from Los Angeles, and you can see how Los Angeles is playing, how much they miss Caruso. Um, That's two. Number three, uh, Lonzo Ball. And the reason I say Lonzo is because they finally have the point guard that they were looking for. Um, (laughs) I think that was was a big thing is that a lot of it last year with the Bulls was a lot of just Zach Iso, but now there's actually distribution, and Lonzo has also become a three-point threat. And now I just look at this team of the Bulls and it is stacked to the max. Can they figure this out in time? You know, that by the time they get to the playoffs, they can make some noise and beat a, a Milwaukee or a Nets team. I think it's totally doable. Um, I would I would say right now, just with these pieces and the team that these guys have, I'd say they have a better shot than Utah. Current current as it currently stands to be that next like top four contender. What do you guys think? Um, I disagree. I I like them a lot. And I think I was the only one. Well, I can't remember. I think I was the only one in the preseason that had them top four in the East. I, I, I think like, you were. I think they're a top four team, no doubt. Um, I I do like Caruso. I think you're slightly overrating him. I, I think he only adds uh, defense. I think he's a good energy ball. But as far as like being a go-to guy and he's not it um and he's he's very good he's a very good role player i'll give you that don't think he's a sixth man of the year candidate but um i i think i i put honestly i i even put vucevic in front of ball as far as a big three um vucevic has been efficient he's been their defender he's getting their rebounds um and without him i don't think chicago is as good as they are um 
And also with that, I will add like a good th a good side of it is Lonzo has been phenomenal for them. Um, he's not their go-to guy, but they don't need him to be. He's getting the ball where it needs to go. And if you watched um, the Nets game the other night, one of the clutchest threes you can imagine, and yeah. just like ice in the veins, ended the game in in Brooklyn. Like, man, definitely. I mean, you, you, it's no doubt that DeRozan and Levine, they're your guys. They're the ones you go to for scoring, and that also shows in the averages um, as far as the season goes so far. Um, but Lonzo's there, man. He's he's finally getting what he needs to do. He's he's you know five rebounds a game, five assists a game, twelve points a game. He's 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 being a great player for him. Yeah, I think I sit somewhere closer to to Riker on this. I uh, credit where credit to do Chicago. I did not think they'd be this good. And Dunmar DeRozan, like, I swear I go on Twitter like, and every other day there's some insane stat about how Demar DeRozan is first in points in the fourth quarter or fifth or in the <laughs> mid range. He's shooting some insane percentage, and you know credit. To that, they, they've really stepped up. Though my problem with Chicago, and the reason I don't put them, I actually don't put them anywhere near, like, M Milwaukee or Brooklyn, is because they don't really have depth. They have as good of a starting five as nearly anyone, but after that, they don't have much. And that's the next step for them. They yeah. And that's the hard part, is getting depth that works and fits with your core because when you have only five six players of your rotation that work really well there's still two or three people you have to play significant minutes with that core and that's why i don't believe so much in chicago i absolutely think they could win one or two or like even win the first round i don't see them maybe getting out of the second round and that's why i don't put them up there yeah. But they're definitely in a good spot to maybe this next offseason to get some pieces to be in that next spot. Or even, like, before the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. Um, I, th I think, for me, it's more just, like, the clutch factor. Uh, that they can win close games. Yeah, uh, they've been really they're, good. They're, they're, they're yeah, really good. I think for the Utah Jazz, like, we are a solid team. We're super deep. But we can't win clutch games. Like, we won today, right? And we won against Boston, but that required astronomical offensive efforts. Um, and that's one thing that kind of worries me about the Jazz. I also want to clarify, I wasn't saying that like Lonzo or Caruso are like the big top three or anything like that. I'm mm -hmm. just saying these are three pieces that I've noticed an insane like improvement from last year or where they were or, or where we saw Nikola and, uh, and Zach and how they weren't able to even make it into postseason. Um, so that that was one that was one thing I kind of just wanted to clarify real quick. Yeah. <laughs> but um, given the roses, they're really good. Um, they beat us, so mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's a I big mean, thing. And I mean, as as I yeah. said, as it stands right now, I think they have a better shot. But that can change in the future. I'm just seeing an incredible clutch factor and too many clutch players on that team. Uh, and versatility is, I think, uh, another big thing that I see there. So, that's the Bulls. The Bulls. <laughs> um, and, I, I mean, a team that I would even say is very similar to Bulls and star power, I would say, is the Heat. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you guys feel that the difference from Goran Dragic 
to Kyle Lowry has affected the team. Oh, massively. That is such a big improvement. To moon. be fair, I, I don't want to like talk crap on, on um, Dragic. Dragic, because yeah. he was really good for them. But Kyle Lowry has just been so impressive. My, my main problem with them, I guess I, it's not really a problem because they can't really do anything about it, is that Bam won't play to, for four to six weeks, which is a significant mm-hmm. amount of time. And Jimmy Butler has been out. There are reports that he may play within the next couple of days. And they'll have to fight through those injuries, and it's really hard to – for a team like that where they have a, such a significantly new piece and more, like, new pieces this season, I think it's really important for them to play as many games together as possible and gain that chemistry. But I agree. I, I think they're – I think I put them above Chicago. Like, they have yeah, probably the as good of a big three as anybody, like – with yeah. Jimmy and Kyle Lowry and Bam, like that, that wins you a lot of games. Yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I was about to say the same thing. Like where you have Brian has uh, Chicago, that's where I have the Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I predicted them to be the number two team coming out of the West or the East. Sorry. Um, yeah, injuries are starting to come to play. You, you can never really predict those. Um, I mean, but you're already seeing the impact. Uh, Jimmy missing, I don't know how many couple, and then you have Bam out. They're they're already fourteen and ten, so obviously taking a toll on them. They're not really winning as much as they were. Um, that being said, That's I think still like two games they... behind the Jazz and the Bulls right. too. So right. it's like not even that. So, bad. And they've had yeah. And I just I think once everybody's healthy, and you get everybody back into rotations. I think they just start winning again. I think they're one of the grittiest teams in the NBA, and that's that's Miami a lot basketball. Of that is, and it, it's a lot of it is because of Lowry. I think he he comes in and has that real dog attitude, and it's it's starting to infect other players. I mean, I think Harrow's really benefited from having Kyle Lowry on that team, and Bam. He's always been a gritty player. He's always been a dog, but man, they're yeah. They're aggressive, and that's you see a lot of NBA teams, people who can, the teams that can get aggressive, and in the end of the game just bully players. You know, it, it takes a toll on teams, and then because mm-hmm. of that, I still I think that the Heat have a decent shot at coming yeah. out of the East, and it'll, it'll definitely take some better health, but we'll see. I mean, if any anyone that watched them earlier this season where they were healthy knew yeah. saw the the potential of that group. I mean, let's not forget, like, this group, I mean, obviously there's some different pieces, but the, like, majority of this group went to the finals less than two seasons ago. Right. Like, and that group is good, and, like, we haven't even talked about, like, Duncan, or Duncan, Duncan Robinson, Mm -hmm. or, like... Tyler Hero. DJ. Tyler Hero, who's DJ Tucker, like, and that's, that's, I feel like they have a better, um, what's the word? Uh, depth than Chicago. Oh yeah, and depth yeah, means a lot. Depth means a lot for for contenders, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, mm-hmm. which one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is yes, they have this incredible team, but I I think it's hard to like ignore even against the Jazz how they just will play incredible for like they'll play like best world class basketball for three quarters and then there's like one quarter where they just can't execute. And I, 
It's just weird, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you would expect yeah. a team like that. And I, I don't know if it's because there's like a lot of high expectations now that the roster is what it is. Um, I'm really hoping that the entire team can be healthy because I really want to see them complete at, or compete at the highest level. Um, yeah, that's, that's just like a, a question that I have for Miami, and especially after getting swept last year. I know the team is different this year, but I mean, is, is Kyle Lowry, or Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, um, and I'm trying to think of other additions, but as far as I think those are like the number, those are like the two kind of main ones. Is that going to stop you from getting maybe not swept, but a, maybe a game six at best oh. uh, in that situation again, if you were to run it back. Like, that's that's my question, because we we were able to see them succeed a lot two or three years ago. Or sorry, two years ago. Last year, it was an utter failure. And, I mean, we're also seeing Tyler Hero decrease a lot in efficiency and Duncan Robinson with the same. Yep. Now they're playing at a higher clip. Right. What's the difference, right? I'm trying to see con- constants because NBA tends to be a league of constants, and things will always happen one way or one way or another. If you guys are trying to, yeah, uh, and I and I, I agree with that. I think the only the only small answer I have to answer that is the Jazz are a good team. So I mean, even even in a lot of games, like Jazz will go down pretty big. And even if they don't end up winning the game, they usually tend to come back and make it competitive. And that's against the Heat. That's against anybody else. And so if you look at the Heat's schedule, like their losses, like the most recent losses, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Denver, Minnesota, and Washington. So except for Minnesota, which isn't a bad team, I mean, you're, you're and most of those were without Jimmy and Bam. Yeah, it, they're still they're still you know they're beating Indiana, they're beating Chicago. You know, t- teams that that they should definitely beat Indiana, but should Chicago. We've already talked about them. Yeah. I mean, they did. The Jimmy NBA is the Bam NBA. Were there like, in Minnesota. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, that's right. At about yeah, they were both playing that game, so that was just a stinker, but. Um, I mean, they're still performing decently well without their stars. I and I like I said, like when teams come back, the win is what matters. Like, I I don't know. I think the answer is just that they have been playing good teams. So we'll mm-hmm. see how the rest of the season goes. I feel like yeah, I kind of oh, go sorry, ahead, go for it. So I kind of have had the same take where like I I'm not too like too worried about those heat collapses in the fourth quarter because I think that's more of in those games, the Jazz were just so unbelievably horrible. And then they were like, <laughs> oh, we can play basketball. It was yeah. more so like the Jazz are a really good team rather than yeah. the Heat are really bad. And also yeah. to the to the point of where like, they haven't made a whole lot of changes, I think Kyle Lowry is a really significant change because mm-hmm. he makes other people better. I think yeah. he, over the course of his well, however long he spends in – uh, Miami, he will help make Duncan Robin be- Duncan Robinson better and um, Tyler Hero better, and I think he helps Jimmy Butler. I think he helps literally everyone that's on the court with yeah. him. He's that yeah. type of player for sure. And I mean, there's there's the argument of like Goran Dragic, Goran Dragic sanity two years ago, um, yeah. where he was scoring at an insane clip. <laughs> um, 
if you can get that Dragic back, you know, there's there's that argument, and you could even say like that was a big reason why they were as successful as they were in the postseason, uh, was because of his efficiency. I, I honestly, I just I want them to prove it, and like in a lot of occasions they have. I feel like they are a good team killer, um, but maybe they just lose to some teams that they shouldn't lose to. <laughs> But when it comes to big games, they usually show up. But can they stay healthy? And I, I think yeah. literally, mm-hmm. like, I think their next team we're going to talk about, it's the same situation uh, with Los Angeles. Maybe it's a little less this year than it was the year before. Wait, but, Los Angeles? Uh, the, the Lakers. Uh, okay. Well, Kawhi, just Kawhi's Kawhi. not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no. think so. I'm. No. Yeah. I mean, I still think they're going to be making some noise, but I wouldn't like you know, count on it. But with the Lakers, I mean, it's hard to count LeBron out. It's hard to count AD out. The team significantly worse this year than it was in previous years. But the big question is, can AD stay healthy the entire time? Right. Because if he can, that's a dangerous team in the postseason. Regular season is regular season. It is what it is. But we all know that LeBron he's a different beast in the playoffs and in the postseason that I, I would say the same thing about AD, but it was so evident against Phoenix last year, just the, the constant issues. Like Deandre Ayton, is he an AD killer? No, I don't think so. I, I think no. there's just a lot of like no, mental he just was breakage hurt. in yeah. AD. Yeah. Um, Cause like AD you know, had the really AD good game, the first game. And then Deandre Ayton came back the second game and clapped back. You know what I mean? But they still, I think, what was it? Game six with an unhealthy Lakers against who the people who went to the finals. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Like hard to count them right. out. What do you guys think about the Lakers? Well, really quickly, I have been looking at the Lakers. I've watched some highlights because they're such an interesting team this year. <laughs> um, and and as much as if any Lakers fans are watching out there, I'm sorry, but as much as fun, it's fun to watch them lose. So, um, <laughs> so like I, I'm very interested, and I also watched some some analytics, some other analysts, and I think one of them was Jalen Rose. So, you get LeBron, and the front office mantra is to invest now. Don't invest in the future. Invest now. And how's that worked out for him? Well, they got a championship, so you know mission accomplished. But now we're to the point. Where you got a 36-year-old LeBron in his 19th season, and you've got uh, other pieces that are just, you know, getting up there in age as well. You got a 32-year-old Westbrook, and Carmelo's 75. And the only person that you've made a good investment on right now is AD, and he has injury problems. But then you look at the pieces they got rid of. Julius Randle, Brandon Egram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and they're all doing great. Angelo. yeah, D'Angelo Russell, he's 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 been good as well. So yeah. you you look at these investments that they're like, you know, we're gonna pass on you for this guy. You could say it was a success. They won. But what now? Chemistry is not working, and they've had healthy teams recently and they're still losing. And if you look at their schedule, there's a three overtime game, an overtime game, two overtime games. You have a ton of these games that are going into overtime against lower tier teams some of them which they've lost and it's just like when is it going to step up is it going to happen in the playoffs because hopefully they play good enough to get there yep 
if you're a Lakers fan, you might want to skip ahead because I am not going to be very kind. Because <laughs> the Lakers have been horrible. They have had, what, they're at 500 right now, and yeah. they have had one of the top three or four easiest schedules in the entire league. And you have LeBron, AD, and Westbrook. I, as soon as that, that uh, Buddy Heald got called off, I knew that they would not be good. And the, <laughs> the, I just, the problem with, with the Lakers is, I, 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 I get the argument where it's, you know, Le- LeBron is a, an insane player in the playoffs and AD might show mm-hmm. up. No matter how good of a player you are, a team like the Lakers, how they are now, don't automatically turn it on in the playoffs. Like, sure, there might be an uptick, but there are serious roster problems outside of those three. They got rid of their shooting. They got rid of their uh, defense. They just don't have it. And they're starting – they were starting DeAndre Jordan, and now they're trying to start Dwight Howard. All respect in the world to Dwight Howard. He At this point in his career, he's not a starter. He is at his best when he's coming off the bench playing limited minutes – being able to be as aggressive as he can in what 18 20 minutes right but if he's starting and then you if if this lakers team ever wants a chance to win ever wants a chance to to get better they need to say anthony davis i do not care what you want you are playing the five and obviously there comes a risk of more he'll have to play against centers and then there's risk of injury Right, but that's how. Unfortunately for the Lakers, that's how mm. this they get out of this. Yeah, and obviously there's going to be other problems, but that's the first step, and they're consistently not making that step, even though they've said, I've swear I've seen twenty different people from the Lakers say, Anthony Davis is going to play the five, and he never has. And so, <laughs> what what do we expect if he if if Anthony Davis wants to step up and and be a man and do like that's on him. Like I'm sorry, that's that's his that's. Sorry, let me let me. I'll step away. I I've no, said my piece. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, for sure. And a healthy AD is you can't really defend a healthy AD. Like you can stop him a couple buckets, but he's gonna get his. I mean, he got the Pelicans yeah. to the playoffs multiple times. Top and five they player suck. in the league. So like, uh, when healthy, he's yeah. their best player at this point, in my opinion. And yes, LeBron's Absolutely. great, but if he's healthy and not getting injured, I think he's the best player on the Lakers. I. I think it's something really interesting knowing that you have three players on your team that are averaging over 20 points. You're fourth in the NBA in points per game, sixth in the NBA in rebounds per game, and seventh in the NBA in assists per game. Yet, you are a 500 team and you have the second worst uh, opponent points per game ratio. The second worst in the NBA. Gosh, Could man. that be the overtime games they've played, right? More points, more regulation time. Sure. But, I mean, take away overtime. I think that's still bottom 10 in the NBA. Yeah. And it's it's even funny just to see Russell Westbrook. And it's it's the Russell Westbrook effect, right? 20 points per – he's averaging 20 points per game, uh, just over eight assists, and just over eight rebounds. What does that get you? No spacing. Also, another <laughs> problem is I, I don't think like necessarily Westbrook is the problem. Like obviously he has other flaws and we we've talked about it. 
He's contributing. I, I think it's extremely un... What's the word? I, very worrying if you're a Lakers fan that that you can't blame everything on Westbrook. There are <laughs> significant problems outside of Westbrook. Because yeah. if it was Westbrook, it'd be like, okay, maybe you make a trade somewhere that's desperate yeah. and wants to go to you know a play-in game. But there are significant problems outside of Westbrook because you got rid of your depth and then you signed a bunch of old guys. And now they don't want to play defense. I'm, you know, it's just I, I they've just, dug themselves a hole. That's the problem. You got rid of your defense. And that that's why, you know, two years ago when the Lakers won the chip, it's because mm-hmm. they had one of the best defenses in the NBA. Um, like, it, it's just hard. You had so many young guys, so many willing defenders uh, that were over there, and you just had a lot of spacing too and i mean i think that was like the number one thing and of course lebron james anthony davis as like a defensive Mm -hmm. core back when it was a little bit ago it's so good yeah the lakers it's just like on paper they are amazing but there are key things i i believe there's two key things every single time if you want to win a championship it's depth and defense um if Mm -hmm. you if you can have a deep team, and you can have a top five defense in the NBA, you can win a championship. And that's what yeah. they have. And that's that's the frustrating part about the Lakers, you know? As as much as I'm a Jazz fan and the the bitterness that we all have to Los Angeles, like, I really want to give them, you know, I want to give them the roses. It's LeBron, right? It, it's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous for us to not acknowledge his greatness and everything oh, yeah. that he's done, right? Without. And like we said, two years ago, the Lakers won a championship. And right. I want to give them respect, right? And so that's that's why I'm here trying to figure out what can change before the end of the season so mm-hmm. that they can succeed in the postseason, okay. right? I will, I will let off the throttle a little bit. And if you do look at their roster, they're totally underperforming. And there are definitely players that last year were making a much bigger impact that they are than they are now. So, I mean, if you want an answer, and this may be controversial, I think Russell Westbrook was so good on OKC because he built that team. Like, the team, his teammates respected him. Everybody knew what he was capable of. And then now his, his stints with the Rockets and the Wizards, it's a bull in a china shop. He just shows up and he's like, this is the way I play. Get used to it. And like, there's been so many low light reels this season of Russell Westbrook just balls out on defense just to come back and do a freaking turnaround J and air ball. So it's just stuff like this where on the OK, on OKC, he could get, he could get away with it. And a lot of times it would go in because everybody was like, this is our guy. But now Mm -hmm. it's his turn to take a step back realize that he's not the only one that is capable. Yes, you're probably a top three guy. I'll give you that. But you have role players that can help. Like, you can go down the list, and they're they're dudes that are super good shooters. Bazemore's a great shooter. Malik Monk's a great shooter. Wayne Ellington, he's always been a threat from three, but these guys are severely underperforming. So there's obviously a chemistry issue somewhere. If they can figure that out, I'm not surprised if they go past the first round of the playoffs. I'm not quite ready to say that they can make it to the Western Conference Finals or the Finals, but if they can figure some chemistry issues out, sure. They can do a lot better the rest of the season. 
Yeah, I think that's why I get so frustrated with the Lakers is because they clearly should not be this horrible. No. When when you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Westbrook, you should ex- when you go into a game, you should expect to win that game with those three guys. Yeah. But you don't. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of frustrating because before the season, when people were like, "Is this gonna work?" Like, there's there's chemistry issues. Like, what's gonna happen? We were people were reassured by them in the front office, like, "Oh, Anthony Davis is gonna play more time at the five, and Westbrook's gonna try and be less ball dominant and stuff like this." But it just hasn't happened. Oh. And then part of the argument was that when LeBron's out, that they'd be able to carry the load, and they fall apart without LeBron. LeBron's Terrible like without LeBron. Yeah. LeBron's like the glue that's trying so hard to hold everything together, but it's like everything just keeps falling apart. Yeah. And that it's it's curious because I mean, as a Jazz fan, if I were to go into the playoffs and I'm playing Los Angeles, you know, round one, I'm yeah, terrified. not happy. Not I am happy. not happy at yeah. all. Right. That is a team that can make any kind of noise, and I'm sure Phoenix fans are feeling it too. Um, thankfully, I mean, thank, thankfully they were able to get the dub, but I mean, I don't think it was as like a fully loaded or stacked Lakers team like it was the year before, Right. but mm-hmm. you know, it just goes without saying I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to go against that. So I, I'd say that these four teams really are the cusp, right? And I know Lakers probably won't finish high in like the regular season standings but i think it's different in the postseason i don't know if it's going to be the difference of like making it past the first round again i think a lot of that will depend on matchups um because i think if if they get golden state or phoenix it's like it's over Mm -hmm. maybe with the jazz it's like it's close um i think jazz do take that uh, mostly because at least right now yeah i mean Sure, it's, it, it's going to be hard mm-hmm. with like the wing defense uh, for us as, as the Jazz over here, but I think we beat them in perimeter shooting uh, and perimeter defense. They already are not shooting a great three-point percentage, mm-hmm. um, and I think our bench severely out, outperforms their bench too. So there, there's like there's matchups, you know, weaknesses on both ends. Um, but I mean, if they can get into maybe a four-five position, play someone like the Clippers or Denver, then we can talk a little bit more about second round, right? Yeah. Um, or even Dallas. But I think as far as like those top three, Jazz, Warriors, Phoenix, I think they're undoubtedly going through first round, no matter what. So that's I I, th- I would even I would say that the wild card for this whole NBA postseason as far as contenders is the Lakers. Because you, you have to. Yeah. you, you got to give them respect. Enough. You know what I mean? Uh, I know it hurts as a Jazz fan to say something like respect the Lakers, but <laughs> in an unbiased podcast, we have to do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, really interesting stuff, though, and I, I am really dying to see, you know, get into <laughs> – the end of April already, just so we can see um, what the postseason is going to look like. But, um, I mean, it's pretty wide open. I don't think that there's one team that is, like, the favorite to win it all. They've seen weaknesses in all teams. I think it's I think it's going to be a Western Conference team, personally. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that would be my, my best bet. Um, and I, I think it's weird to say, but I'm, I'm actually really hoping that Golden State can win one because I, just as a, as a basketball fan, right? I'm not talking as a jazz fan, as a basketball fan to see someone like Stephen Curry without everything that he had before still win a championship is the proof and legitimacy of like that you should be considered one of the best point guards all time. You sh- that you should yeah. be up there with like Magic Johnson, John Stockton, you know? And I, I think yeah. as a basketball fan he to is. see that there is a person that exists in our generation that we are able to see, I I am like thankful and blessed to have that opportunity. So yeah. as a basketball fan, I'm excited for the Warriors. Uh, I do. To, to I do have to say at. like, regardless of how I feel about the Warriors, like, this season is so fun because I feel like the distribution of talent is one of the best we've had in the last couple decades. Totally agree. There's no like one or two teams that is clearly better than everyone else. There's like four teams, right, that we named as contenders. And there's like four or five that you could put in the group we talked about today. And then there's like another group that's not so far behind them. Like, and even the young teams are really showing up. It's just so fun. Yeah, super fun. But uh, we, we thank you guys so much for listening in. I uh, would love to hear your opinions as well. Um, hit us up on Twitter. And let us know. Or TikTok, Instagram. Um, anyway, you can, give me, you can call me. If you have my number, you can give me a call. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, appreciate you guys listening. And we'll see you next week.